That's a uh, quad four four two stroke dual overhead race cam injected fuely six speed posi flat top supercharged bad mofo. The Mad K Studio Show. Hi, I'm Ken Madden, and welcome to the Mad K Studio Show. Today we're going to talk about cars as art. I am a car nut. It's driven my family crazy for years, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about why and why I think cars are art. Coming right up. All right, let's get right into it. Cars are art. Cars are an art form. Automobiles are an art form. Didn't start that way. If you look at the turn of the century, cars are basically a carriage with an engine stuck on it, you know, the horseless carriage and all that. But as as uh, time progressed, styling became more important. So I've always looked at cars as fine art. If you look at um, one of our shows, we talked about the Art Nouveau era. And in the Art Nouveau era, there was an awesome racing posters because auto racing was a huge, huge deal. And the posters were these gorgeous pieces of fine art. And the cars themselves started to emulate that. The fine art, the lines, the designs started to come along along with it. So that's kind of a cars as fine arts. We're thinking about today just what how how the automobile ties into art um which is quite a bit i find um that cars driving a car is performance art so if you think about performance art think about something that's very artful in nature such as you know um an eagle you you see an eagle flying or you know uh think of a some horse running, you know, a, a herd of Mustang horses running through the fields or out west somewhere, and you see it in slow motion. It's a very artful scene. Cars can be the same way. A beautiful car driving by fast or slow, or maybe a race car, and it depends on what your beauty is in the eye of the beholder, of course. It depends on what you're thinking about, what your, what your interests are, is what kind of artwork you'll see in a car. And what, you know, one man's treasure is another man's uh, trash, right? So... There's also that. This brings me to automotive design. Talked a little bit about it a minute ago, but more of the, of the how did it get started. And I had the opportunity a few years ago to go down to the Auburn Core Duesenberg Museum. And that's where they were actually designing Cords and Auburns and Duesenbergs. And you could go through the, the, the design rooms and all that stuff. And I actually sat there and did a little drawing. I don't even remember what happened to it, but... To be able to sit in the same room as Gordon Burig, who was what I see as the guy that invented automotive styling, you know, for reals. He was the guy that that worked for Cord and designed like the Cord 810 and the a lot of the Duesenberg bodies and um, of course the Auburn stuff. And I've got some pictures here we'll put up. This shows a scale clay model of a Cord that he was working on and uh, it was pretty really it was really really cool to go there so that it's in auburn indiana yeah auburn indiana if you have a chance to go down to that museum i recommend it highly because it is really really cool but the art of the automobile there's the museum has a ton of cars and there's a bunch that are just um placed in there and these are all really really high high end auburn scords and duesenbergs in fact in the basement of the place where the they keep the other cars that aren't as important. There was an original 427 AC Cobra, an original um, Mercedes 300 Gullwing, and I mean it was one after another of these incredible cars that even though they were 
they're icons and legends now. They really couldn't, from a styling and design and artwork standard, they couldn't hold a candle to some of these chords and Duesenbergs. Um, it's a really, really interesting place to go, and it opened up my eyes to the world of design from the 30s where everyone was doing it by hand, and they'd sculpt in clay. And they still use that in all the auto places today. Um, they start out in, in, clay, in drawings and things like that. Of course, they work in the computer now quite a bit. But they go to clay, and even with the clay in the computers now, they, they put blobs of clay on a, on a buck, basically. And they'll go around with a CNC machine and mill off the, most, the, the biggest areas of it. And then the sculptors will come in, and the sculptors will do their deal, making sure that it's all um, smooth and put the final details on, things like that. It's really fun. But again, that's sculpture. I mean, that's pure sculpture. Another beauty of the automobile is personal expression. So to be able to customize your car, it, it, I mean, it's your, it's your transportation maybe just to work, but it's more than that for a lot of us. Like for me, it's, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Christine, I kind of have always seen that as a, a documentary. I figured that actually did happen, and, and <laughs> the cars have souls. So custom expression is you've seen the guys with the custom paint jobs all the custom body work and things like done that started right in the beginning of time there was um in the lars anderson museum in out just outside of boston i think it's in brookline or i think it's in brookline massachusetts anyway i remember going there when i was younger and there was a rolls royce in there that was a a, a, a dual cowl phaeton you know it was basically a four-door that had the top that kind of came over you know the gangster you know the old 20s gangster looking car Anyway, even back then, um, there was uh, a rich family had owned it, and one of the kids got the car, and they chopped the top. So you know they took the they took this gangster car and cut it down. I don't take six seven inches out of the top. It's still a folding convertible top, super cool. But it was a customization. This was a new expression of the car. It changed it, and it made it. It took something. Grammy Rolls Royce was known for their design and styling, world class quality, and cut it apart. And make it even cooler than they did at Rolls Royce. I thought that was really neat. So, you know, just that expression on it comes all the way up to today. If you go to the SEMA show in Las Vegas, it's the second largest show they have down there, and it's all cars and parts and custom cars and hundreds of thousands of ideas out there, and thousands of different cars of all makes and models and likes, new, old trucks. I mean, everything, even Hot Wheels cars that are made into real cars. Super, super cool place to see. But that's, that's the expression, and now it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Another aspect of the automotive arts is the brotherhood. So on my, on my YouTube page, which you can check out, there's, you can see time-lapse videos and things of cars that I've been working on with friends. You really get a feel for the brotherhood when you're working on cars with, with your friends. And you see somebody, I can be anywhere in the country, and I see someone that has a, a cool, I mean, I'm an Oldsmobile guy, I got a cool old Cutlass, and I see someone else with a Cutlass, I can be down in Florida, and like that, we're friends and we're talking about our cars. And it's a, it's a brotherhood, it's a, it drives a passion, it keeps me creative, and again, just bringing it into an art form, you need all of those elements to make something to be art. And that brotherhood is a huge part of it. What about road trips? I mean, some people would rather fly. I would rather drive anywhere. I don't always drive when I go somewhere. If you got a, you know, if you have a week off, you don't want to take four days to drive and four days to drive back. 
but anytime I can, I will take the time to to do the drive. I just enjoy the road trip. It's part of driving and just seeing the sights, being um, out. You know, you are out in nature. You might be in an enclosed car. You might be in an open car or a motorcycle, but it's all the same kind of road trip freedom feeling. Uh, Our beautiful country that we have here in America, um, a lot of people take and take these trips over to Europe, too, and they drive all across Europe. And um, a friend of mine that I work with drove a motorcycle literally around the world through Siberia and Korea and back around, I mean, down through Alaska and all the way through the United States, um, all through Europe. Just amazing stories. But that creates experience, and that experience will um, will breed optimism. It'll breed creativity. It gets you out to see the sights. Coming back from Sturgis last year, we drove through, my son and I, I'd never been, and he'd never been either. We drove through the Badlands of South Dakota, and we timed it, so we got there at sunset. And I've got, this is the video that you're watching right now, is this incredible land mass that if you haven't been out there and seen the badlands you're you're just driving along south dakota's weird you're driving along it's nothing 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 it's corn and 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 field, you know farm fields and all this kind of stuff and then you've got um you're all of a sudden come over this hill and it's like you're on the moon and it, it's this incredible landscape that just the whole literally the whole world changes it's like you're driving along and all of a sudden you're on the moon just incredible and that's that's what you're looking at here i've been so inspired by this i took a ton of pictures when i was out there and things like that of my lincoln my 97 town car which my dad bought new and i'm keeping hopefully to give one of my kids when i'm you know old enough i can't don't want to drive it anymore anyway that's a side story but the the open road the passion the drive to replicate what i've seen on the road and you know you have a picture that you can put your car into that that picture and that image. Um, again, it can be an integral part of a point in time. What it means, you know, you, if you think about, you see your trips. Look at your trips, maybe from a family trip that happened 20 years ago, 50 years ago, and you look at that picture and you see the old car and how young people were and the different times and the way things were. That there's an there's an art to that to be able to take that that moment in time and just recreate it mentally right there with that piece of art that the car is an integral part of seeing. That is part of the art of the car. So I just talked a little bit about why I think cars are art, the different aspects that make them art. Now let's talk about why am I so passionate? What what makes me... I mean, it's literally disease. I mean, it's like I should probably see a therapist because I have been continually car nuts for as long as I can possibly remember. And why is that? Well, I've traced it back probably 15, 20 years ago. I really thought through, I'm like, why do I like cars so much and not like um, horses or sports? Because here's the deal. I don't like sports. I don't watch sports. I don't like fishing or hunting, um, any of that stuff. None, none of that really, eh, it's like, all right, whatever. But start talking about cars with me. I don't care what kind of car it is. We're going we're gonna to be friends because we're going to talk about it because I am passionate about it and it gets me all excited. But why? So I started really thinking about it. <clears throat> I was born in 1968. That makes me, at the time of this recording, 52 years old or young, depending on where you look at it. I don't feel 52. I feel 25 or, and I act like I'm 10. So there you go. 
road trips. We talked a little bit about road trips in the last segment, and road trips is something that I grew up on. In 1969, I was nine months old, and I remember it like it was yesterday. My family, at the end of the school year, I have four brothers and sisters and my mom and dad, we jumped into our 1969 brand new Chrysler Town and Country Wagon. It was blue with uh, wood grain siding, and it's pretty cool. There's a picture of me, you can see right here, as a little baby with my mom sitting on the hood of the car. But we took that car in, I think it was an 18-foot Shasta trailer with seven of us, and we left from Boston, and we drove all the way across the country to the West Coast, and then drove down south, and then back up to Massachusetts in this two-month odyssey across country, with um, the whole family, and of course, I, what do I know about it? It was I was nine months old. I've been told that I was the best. Um, uh, I was the the best behave of all the group because two of them were teenagers, and the other two were just um, like uh, nine, ten years old. <laughs> so can you imagine two teenagers, nine, ten year old, and a baby in a station wagon sitting three across. Of course, I was the baby, so I was in the it was in the way back. And if if you know what station wagons are, if you grew up, if you're watching this and you're a little bit older, you know what the way back was. It was seats back there and stuff, but it was folded flat. And my parents just had like a like a pen, you know, like a uh, I wanted to say pig pen, but it wasn't a pig pen, play pen, you know, like a, a play pen. And that's where I'd sit. So you know, at nine months old, ten months old, eleven months old, as we're going on this trip, I'm happy as a clam. I got all the same space I had when I was at home. We're driving around. I got windows on the side of me. My whole family's in there. They're all up arguing or something about you're touching me. You're who's sitting in the middle. I want the window seat. I got to sit on the hump. Remember the hump? You have to sit on the hump. So, but that was, that was my first outing with the family and it took months. And I think it ingrained in my head. So mom, dad, if you're watching, if you guys think that um, this just happened, it's really your fault. So I'm going to lay this at your feet that you guys made this automotive monster unwittingly. But uh, I got to say thank you to my mom and dad for that trip because it wasn't the last one. Our next trips, well, I don't know, we had a lot of trips, I suppose, little day trips and weekend trips. But in 1971, 72, and 73, my dad was a, um, in, later than that, but these three years we drove to Fairbanks, Alaska to the Summer Arts Festival. He was hired to... Uh, be the director of the Summer Arts Festival, and it was art and music. So that, again, art and music has been in my life since day one. So we drove up there, again, seven of us in the station wagon, 5,000 miles from Boston to Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, and the Alcan Highway at that time was gravel. I think it was probably twelve or 1,400 miles of gravel. At some point on one of the trips, we took a ferry. I think that was, yeah, I think that was the first year. I think we took a ferry and mom, dad, if you're watching, just comment in the things below and correct me if I'm wrong. But we drove up there and um, I can remember that one. I remember being three and four years old, driving in the, in the station wagon and going up there and taking these, these, these cross-country trips. The gravel road, the driving, it was probably class five, you know, rock or whatever it was. There's still some sections, mostly it's paved now, but that's a trip I'd love to retake sometime and it's going to recreate what I did in our youth and, and I really enjoyed that. So 
we did that in 71 and two with the, with the wagon and the motorhome or and the wagon, the wagon and the trailer in 71 and 72 in 1973, my dad bought a brand new 1973 superior motorhome, a 22 footer. And we drove up again, but that time we drove up, um, we didn't all go. And cause some of them, some of the, the my brother and sister had graduated from high school and they were doing their own thing. So if we, but anyway, my sister Kathy was still up in Alaska, I think, at the time. I don't know. I might be wrong about that too, but that doesn't matter. But we drove the motorhome up this time. So we drove the motorhome up. We did the deal, hold the whole deal up there. But now we had a motorhome, so we had really a, a house, and it was a lot more comfortable. And uh, <clears throat> one of these days, I'll talk about the the trip, that trip, because it was kind of a family vacation trip. Um, let's just say there was dogs run over. I died um, briefly. Had to go to the hospital. My brother broke his leg diving into a pool. And um, long story short, my brother in his cast and me, Sickly, and my mom were put on a plane and sent back to Boston. <laughs> and that's a whole different story. But that's just part of my upbringing of, of this, the stories of, of how we, we, um, we road tripped. And there was subsequent trips to Florida and... I've taken road trips with my family and my two kids. We've drove, we've driven down to um, Florida from Minneapolis here um, a few times. Driven back to Boston and driven out to the, uh, you know, like Mount Rushmore and out there, and, and just done a lot of that same kind of thing. So they, I want to make sure that my kids, Tucker and Logan, have some of that same experience of just going on a road trip, and they do. And we really had a great time. So I, I can't recommend that enough. So other than road trips, what other things have, have influenced me in the world of influence? One of the things was my mom's best friend, Sue Scribner, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. She was always fun to be around. She's still around. I haven't talked to her in years and years and years, unfortunately. But Sue Scribner had a 1970 Oldsmobile Rally 350, and it was about the coolest car I had ever seen when I was a little kid. So you remember, I'm born in 68. This car, you know, she bought it when I was two years old, my mom's best friend. So she, I think she sold it in 78 or 79 and bought a Fiat X19. It was like, why would you? A Rally 350 is this. Here's a picture of it. Here's actually the original, one of the original ads. It was a cutlass fastback with a 350 in it that was kind of a high output 350 bright bright ass yellow uh, i think they called it sebring yellow it had stripes on it and it had hood scoops and dual exhaust and hers was a four speed and it had um she's the way she explained it to me is on the way home from the dealership when she bought it she stopped at the exhaust shop and had them put dual exhaust on it like um uh, not dual exhaust. They had dual exhaust. She had them put glass packs on the dual exhaust so it was louder. So here's this bomber coming down the road. My mom was embarrassed to be seen in it because Sue would drive it like she stole it too. I mean, she was banging gears and and just it's awesome. You know, so I'm a little kid sitting in the back seat, six, seven years old, in the back of this awesome car that no wherever wherever you went, all eyes were on it. It was super bright and a wing on the back. I mean, it was just super cool. And I remember just you know, oh, I want one of these one day. One of these days, I'm going to get a car like this. And one day I did. And it was in 1987. It was in June, June 30th, 1987. But who's, who's, uh, who, who's keeping t- track of that? Um, I, had, I had totaled my first car, which was a Toyota pickup. And I had to buy something else. It was right before I went to college. 
And so um, I did the stupid thing. I should have just saved the money and gone to college, and but I didn't. I found this 1971 Cutlass Supreme, which I had ended up having for 20 years. But uh, I was I was terrified to tell my dad about it. I told my mom about it, but she was like, I don't want nothing to do with this. So I had no way of getting to go get the car, which was about 30 miles away. So I called up Sue Scribner, and she says, wait, your parents don't know about this? And I'm like, nope. She's like, I'll be right over. And she just thought it was the funniest thing. that Here's, here's me, you know, 18 years old going out to buy this, this old car. And it had 350, and it had glass packs in it, and it had buckets. It had a dual-gate shifter automatic, but it was very, very similar to her 1970 Rally 350. So when we went and picked it up, she actually, she almost teared up. Just We went for a drive and she thought it was really cool. And I had that car for a long, long time. And But those those early, early years of driving around in that Cutlass, just, it made me an Oldsmobile guy. I'm telling you, sorry, all the rest of you guys. I, mean, I love my Mopars and, and, and I own Fords. I own everything. I do like it all, but my heart's with the Oldsmobile. So that's why I'm an Oldsmobile guy, in case any of you guys are wondering. Well, that's about all for the, the the main meat of the show. But before we go, let's talk a little bit about bucket list cars. So I'm sitting here in my bar, you know, my it's my little tiki bar here, and one of the things we uh, we talk about when we're sitting around the bar, solving each other's problems and, and taking care of the world, is what cars would you have if you could have anything. So one of the ones that that really really gets me when people have. All right, let me start over. What kind of car would I want if money was no object and reliability or anything was on just any car in the world, what would it be? It would be an early 30s Duesenberg. I thought those were about the coolest car, most beautiful cars ever made. They were fast. They were the fastest cars in the world. In fact, I would say the first supercar was the 32 to 34 model SSJ Duesenberg. It was a short wheelbase roadster. Um, Gary Cooper had one. And... Yeah, it was a supercharged. It had 400 horsepower in 1932 and 33 and 34. 400 horsepower. You can remember a Ford at the time had like 30 or 40 or 50. The car self-lubed. I mean, every 3,000 miles, the whole chassis self-lubricated itself. It had tanks. and It was just an amazing car. And you know, I had talked about earlier in the show going to the Auburn Duesenberg Museum where there was a bunch of Duesenbergs. It's the most of them I've ever seen at one place. So Duesenberg, that's got to be my top you know that's that's the unicorn car for me next uh delahaye or delage or i don't know how the hell you say it but these cars were built in um in the late 30s early 40s and were some of the just as far as just pure sculpted elegance these were the greatest looking things ever so those were incredible i got some pictures here you can see if you're listening online if you're listening to the podcast you can't see the pictures so come in to the youtube page and check it out um 50s cadillacs the big boats the big 50s cadillacs i had a 50 1950 coupe de ville that i was going to restore and it just i didn't have the time or money or support from the family for it and we all just kind of said oh, let's get rid of it and get some four-wheelers but uh 50s cadillac is another one i want and the 60s era cars so 1960 to 1970 that era there were so many cars I could not even tell you where I would start to, you know, um, Super Duty Pontiacs and Ford Thunderbolts and, you know, the, the Lincoln Continentals with the, the suicide doors like Kennedy drove in, the, the, you know, the four-door convertibles. You had Thunderbirds at that time were just incredible. All of the muscle cars. I mean, you think about every – and muscle cars 
supposedly came out in 1964, but before that, 63, 64, you could buy Chryslers that would go 160, 170 miles an hour, you know, Chrysler 300s, and, and they had this crazy 413 with a cross wrench, so the, it had a cross ram manifold, so there was a carb here and a carb here, and the motor was set this way, but they were like three and a half feet apart, just crazy looking things, awesome cars. I really like that era, the 60s era of cars. I think my favorite era because that's when cars got modern like they are basically are today. Like your basic car today is pretty similar other than strip all the electronics away. It's pretty similar to a 60s car. They had all the basic things figured out by then. So that's, that's, uh, that's one way to think about it. But that's, so that's two of the cars. Then came the boats, the Let's say years like 1965 to 73 is the years that I like of just the big land yachts, the Electra 225s, the Oldsmobile Delta 98s, Cadillac, Sedan DeVille's, Fleetwood Bromes, and all that, those giant cars, Lincoln Town cars, Continentals. I have a soft spot for those. I'm not sure why. I, I really don't know. They don't handle well. They're not particularly good cars. I mean, they're dependable and they work okay, but they, um, the, the absolute lack of road feel or anything, Cadillac Eldorado is another one. Um, you know, Chrysler New Yorker, the Chrysler Imperial. I mean, these things were luxury barges, and they weren't luxury in the the the, the opulence of the car itself. They were all usually uh, larger than life in design and things like that. But big, thick pillow seats and whatnot. It was just a really fun thing to drive around and I, I liked them. I, I just last year got rid of my 69 Delta 88 Custom. It wasn't a custom car. Custom was the, the model name. But that had a 455 in it. And it just a, it was so much fun to drive. Just effortless driving experience. Hard tops. You roll all the windows down and then there's no side posts at all. It just They were really, really cool. So those big barges, those are some more cars on my bucket list. I want to own like one of all of them at some point. I'll drive for a while, sell it, whatever. But those are those are that's the next one. The last thing I guess I would say is events. There's so many car shows and cruise nights and things that go on that are just so much fun to go hang out and do. And that's where I got most of my business for my artwork. And that's where I talk art with these guys and, and car art. And there's there's whole groups of photographers around here in the Twin Cities that they do meets where the guys show up with cars and they'll have models show up, you know, girls and guys together and they you know, they do all these photo shoots. And it's just a, there's a whole creative vibe to the whole thing, and there's painters that go, and I, it's uh, there's a, a whole community of artists and photographers and storytellers that, uh, that that go to these things. So go to your local show and, and check it out and see what you can find out, see what you can see. I mean, there's people do all kinds of really creative, cool artwork that revolves around the automotive and motorcycle world. I highly recommend it. So thank you again for watching the Mad K Studio Show Episode 4, Car Nuts. That's me. Um, if you liked what you saw, I would really appreciate it if you would do me a favor and share this with a couple of your friends. Take three friends, four friends, and just say, hey, check out this show if they like cars, if they like art. I'm going to be going into multiple different subjects. It's kind of a general show, but it'll be an automotive kind of bend to it with art too, and this a lot of fun things coming up. We're going to do some instructional videos and things like that. And, and you can see work that I'm doing as I'm doing a bunch of work. I have a whole bunch of things I'm working on. So if you like the show, subscribe. Check me out 
um, on Facebook, Mad K Studio Facebook page. Check out my website, madkstudio.com, M-A-D-D-K studio.com. Subscribe to this because I can't grow this if you don't like it, subscribe it, and share it. So I'm counting on you to help me with this. So with that being said, uh, until next time, drive fast and take chances. <laughs>